Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Fantasy NBA Today, Monday edition, looped through the All-Star weekend. Fun one. Fun All-Star weekend. I didn't catch all of it. I saw, uh, I had other, actually, some, some, uh, non-fantasy basketball work to take care of this weekend. Yes, it's true. I do other things. I actually pretty much abandoned Twitter on Sunday, which was very weird. I felt naked and confused, which I don't think is... Isn't that the show on the Discovery Channel? <laughs> I don't think it's confused, though. Uh, I'm Dan Bespris. Thanks for listening, everybody. At Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation. SportsEthos.com, the website, at Ethos Fantasy. BK on Twitter. Big news over the weekend besides the All-Star stuff, which we'll do a very quick recap on that since, you know, I don't really care all that much. Chris Paul, an avulsion fracture. That was the very disappointing final result of the the right thumb injury he suffered in the game where he got himself ejected for yelling at an official uh, because he didn't get a foul call when someone broke his thumb. He is set to miss basically the rest of the regular season which really, really sucks because you guys know I've got Chris Paul in a handful of spots. He was someone we targeted. His health was fine. Uh, It wasn't hamstring stuff. It wasn't leg stuff. All the things that we've sort of come to know as the, the reasons people were afraid to draft Chris Paul for three consecutive seasons, it was a freak injury. It was a foul. It was whatever it is you want to call it, and his season is done. So, um... If you'd like, you can hang on uh, for, I don't know, I don't see a huge point in doing it. We've already been told that he's going to be reevaluated in six to eight weeks. If you want to hold until the second half of the season, second half, quotation marks, actually begins, you can, although I don't know that you need to. The only thing that might come of this is him like saying, oh, maybe, you know, maybe it'll be four or five weeks instead of six to eight, but I just, he's not going to play through it. We saw in the All-Star game, he wasn't doing anything with his right hand. Tried to go for a steal with his left. Tried to do mostly everything with his left. And the Suns are in great position where even if they go, you know, 500 ball or whatever the rest of the way, they'll still be a top, probably the one seed, frankly, because they're already at 58 games. There's only 24 to go. Uh, If they go 12 and 12, the Warriors would have to win something like what? They'd have to go like 19 and 5 the rest of the way or whatever it is the Warriors have to go in this thing, uh, to catch them. So uh, Suns are probably the one seed, with or without Chris Paul. There's the play-in tournament playoff start about two months from today, roughly. I think maybe a couple days less than that. Um, And that'll be right around when they're hoping to get him back. So Chris Paul is effectively done for your fantasy season. Even if you go to the end of the regular season, what might you get? If he's back in six weeks instead of eight, you might get five games out of him. You know, if you've got an open injured slot, you can drop him into it. Uh, but he should be one of the first ones to go if you need to use that injured slot for someone who's coming back uh, anytime sooner. And uh, that is a big, big bummer. Um, I have a number of Roto teams that are relying on his assists. And we're just going to have to be okay with the fact that his season comes to a close with this number of games. Whatever the number there is, I suppose I should probably have looked that up before launching into a Sad Chris Paul rant. 58. Although, honestly, if someone told you you were getting 58 games out of Chris Paul, uh, 
you probably would have been like, oh, that's only like six or seven less than I had gamed for. But that sucks. Sucks. No way around it. He'd been a pillar of health to this point. Played in all 58 games uh, for the Suns through the All-Star break. Crummy. Very crummy. Uh, as far as replacement goes, it's basically going to be campaign. The question really is whether Payne is ready to go on the other side of the All-Star break. If he's not, Aaron Holiday should have a little bit of breathing room as presumably the, I guess he'd be the starting point guard on that team. He came in and he played 20 minutes uh, in the game that Chris Paul left partway through. He had nine points and six assists there. But uh, again, he figures to be the backup when Payne is around. We saw that uh, when Chris Paul had his time in the postseason last year, which again, wasn't very much. But it was some. Remember, he had this shoulder thing, and then I think there was a, a COVID deal. Was it going right into the postseason, or was that partway through? I can't. Again, I can't remember a week ago, but I, I do know that Chris Paul had a couple things in the playoffs. And campaign stepped in, and he understands their offense, so he would be the guy. Uh, we saw a game a couple days ago. Payne played 31 minutes. Um, unfortunately, we don't know exactly when his return is, is set to be. There was a report that the Suns were hoping he would play the first game out of the All-Star break. Uh, but then he himself, in an interview, mentioned that he thought he was still a week or two away, which would maybe put him, not the first game out of the break, but perhaps about a week to 10 days later. Regardless, as a starting point guard, campaign would be a must-roster guy. Again, he understands the offense. You can look at the games throughout this season where he's logged 30 minutes or more which is what your target would be. By the way, the fact that he has any of them with Chris Paul staying as healthy as he did is actually kind of a testament to when Cam gets hot. But he played 34 minutes. We can go through them one by one here if you'd like. On December the 14th, he had 17 points, three boards, five assists, and a steal in that ball game. He played 30 minutes and 35 seconds on December 29th. He had 16 points, seven assists, and a steal. Some of these are blowouts, so that's why he gets a little extra time. Uh, and most recently, January the 16th, he played 31 minutes in Detroit. That was a blowout win. He had 20 points, five boards, five assists, and three three-pointers. Now, obviously, he's not Chris Paul. He's not going to average close to two steals per game. He's not going to average 10 assists per game. But if he's going to get you 15 and six as a starting caliber point guard, which is sort of what the numbers would draw out to with this team, extrapolate, he's at 20 minutes, 10 and three and a half, so add 50% to those, gets you to about roughly 15 and five and a half. Three and change rebounds, maybe four, one steal instead of two. Yeah, it's a big drop-off from Chris Paul, uh, but there is now basically a starting caliber point guard that just popped up on the waiver wire that prior to this injury news was not on anybody's radar outside of very deep leagues. Um, we've seen Aaron Holiday with playing time before. It doesn't usually translate. And he might have a game or two here where he, you know, he picks up some numbers. Uh, and maybe all of those games turn out to be decent ones. You know, it's, it's possible. Uh, but the Suns have a lot of options in front of him, and he doesn't really know their offense yet. So, in my estimation, I don't think you have to go hard on Aaron Holiday for what would be you know, as much as like a week to 10 days. And instead, I think you should pretty much bury yourself in campaign. Which, by the way, it continues to be weird that his name is actually one word. 
I mean, his name is two words, but campaign is one word, and I'm just going to roll with it and, and pretend that everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, he's your guy. So pick him up everywhere. Uh, his roster ship went from 5% to 25% overnight. Um, we don't do a podcast on Sundays, or that probably would have been the time to put that out there, and I, and I wasn't on social media, so sorry about that. But if he's still floating around in your league, you add him and hope that he's back within a game or two after the All-Star break. Today is a lovely day to tell all of you guys about our good friends at expressvpn.com. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy, but choosing a VPN you trust is just as important. You can't just pick one out of the sky. I do my research on my sponsors. We don't have people on this show that we don't trust. You know that, or we'd have had a whole bunch of little tiny ones over the years. Because believe me, a lot of folks have come and they were like, hey, we want to do you know a week or two on your pod. I'm like, no, stop it. I only recommend folks that I trust and believe in. And I can say with confidence, the fullest, that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. First, they don't log your online activity. Other VPNs can and do. The free ones make their money the same way that your ISPs do. Remember, we talked to you about this over the last couple of weeks. ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. They couldn't do it even if they wanted to. Second, they're the fastest. They use a, uh, a service called Lightway. It's a new VPN protocol they built to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried many VPNs. Many of them slow the connection. ExpressVPN does not. Blazing fast speeds. You can do HD video with no buffering, same as you were before. And the last thing that really sets them apart is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills, because I'm sure when you guys hear me talk about ExpressVPN, you think I'm adjusting my bifocals and getting deep into the nerd weeds here. You just install it, turn on the app, and tap one button. Or, if you're on, a, if you're on a, a smart device, you don't even have to install it. You just turn on the app and hit one button. Grandpa can do it. Business Insider, The Verge, many other tech journals, they all agree with me and rate ExpressVPN number one in the world. So, protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use our special link, expressvpn.com hoopball, and get three months extra on your 12-month package. So 15 months for the price of 12. The link, once again, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, I know it's our old name, but that's the one that works. Expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Go there now. Learn more. Get yourself a VPN. I wish I didn't start every guest segment with these same three words, but been too long. It's been too long. My good buddy, Alex Rickling, back on the show. Joining me here during the gameless stretch the all-star break figure what the hell are we gonna do like, i gotta talk to another human alex how you doing man i'm good man it was a fun game last night uh or two days ago i don't know when you're publishing this oh it'll be it today yeah you're good insert, insert amount of time after. <laughs> no, <laughs> this one is airing quickly you nailed it on the first try <laughs> i probably should have told <laughs> probably should have told you that no this will be the mon this will be on the monday show uh, yes, I, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I saw the Saturday night stuff. I missed the actual game. Uh, yesterday I was doing play by play for 
uh, a college baseball program at the time. But I heard Steph was pretty good. Oh man, that no one in any sport my, is my reaction just to giggle other than Steph. <laughs> like I'll, I'll wow, I'll jump up, I'll get excited. But Steph is the only player in any sport where I just like start laughing. Um, and he had me, he had me just giggling for like most of the third quarter. I, um, I saw some of the highlights. I was a particularly large fan of the near half court three where he took off running the other direction when it was in the air. It was very, I wonder if people are going to get this reference and I don't, did you watch much married with children when you were younger? I was not allowed to watch that sh- that show. Yeah, same, same <laughs> yeah, I had the same thing. And then I like hit an age where it was still on the air just in time for my parents to stop caring what I saw on TV. <laughs> I think I, what, I'm like a couple years older than you. But yeah, not you're my like much. two or three years older than me. Yeah. So that actually, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, it was right on the cusp. So there's a sequence in that show for those listening where Al Bundy, many of you know him as the main character played by Ed O'Neill, He's had a lovely career, even post-married with children, where he goes bowling with his friends. And as soon as he rolls the ball, he turns around, pumps his fist, and yells, Steve Reich, long before it hits the pins. And that's what all of these players are doing now. That's like the bat flip before the home run. That's the Steph runaway, the no-look three-pointer. And it was Al Bundy. So shout out Al Bundy for starting this move, whatever it was, 25 years, probably more than that. Around 25 years ago, 20 to 25 years ago. Uh, By the way, you guys can follow Alex on Twitter at Rickling, R-I-K-L-E-E-N. I'm going to make an extra large stink about it today because as we record this, you're about 50 follows away from the 5K mark. And I, yeah. I want to be part of the bounce. I want you to get a best right, bounce. That'd be great. <laughs> let's do it. I'd let's get that. Let's get him to 5K today. For goodness yeah. sake, people. Come on. <laughs> follow Alex. And today, we're talking about some lessons learned. I thought that might be kind of a fun thing to do as... It's not mid-season. We're sort of post-mid-season at this point. Uh, And we'll do more of this after the season is fully over. But I feel like things are almost fresher in our minds right now because we're still in the middle of it. And Alex, you have two. I have one. So we'll go you, me, you, I guess. Uh, Give me your first mid-season lesson learned, and then we can see if we can kind of pull it apart, something we can do different in the future. I'll start with the quick one, um, and that is... Just don't get involved with Nick Nurse's big man rotations. You'll be happier. The payoff is not worth the amount of frustration. Uh, Just stay away. Uh, And I think that this is a lesson we all need to learn. Yes, Chris Bruchet is a very tempting, very tempting per minute producer, but just it's not it's not worth the frustration. It's not worth the hassle. So I feel like there's there's almost a way, and I told you, you were like, this one's going to be a quick one. And I was like, no, nothing with me is quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my thought there is it almost makes more sense as a solution to not draft these players, but to grab them when they're not in the doghouse. Because he makes it pretty obvious when he's sort of pulled someone out of the Nick Nurse doghouse, which... I mean, Chris Boucher was very deeply in it at the beginning of the season. He was putting, what was he, he was like getting six minutes a game, which is effectively, that's almost more condescending than just a DNP. That's like, oh yeah, I'm going to let you play, but the second you do something dumb, you're done. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden he started playing better. And yeah. 10 games of less than 10 minutes. Right. 
So there was no point in holding on to it at that point. We weren't going to, like, maybe there was a light at the end of that tunnel, but as fantasy players, we couldn't really see it. And then all of a sudden, everybody got hurt. He sort of forced Boucher into the lineup. He started to play a little bit more of a team basketball game. And then you could see him coming out of that doghouse. But at that point, that's your treat these players more like midseason free agent types than potential draft day steals or grabs or whatever it is. You can put them on your board if you want, but it does seem like it'd be wiser to just say and, the hell with and it. And also have have that short leash. Um, yeah. You know, unless unless you if you have him primarily because of blocks, then you're relatively happy if you held on to him. But if you ha- if you wanted like the full Chris Boucher, um, you know, profile of you know all of the things he can provide, he really only provided that for a couple of weeks, and then it went back down. Then he had another couple of weeks stint, and then it went back down again. Um, and just you know, add and drop, add and drop. Um, don't don't hold on to him through these dead periods. I, I think, I think that, you know, the, what you can get with a waiver wire player, just a replacement level waiver wire player, you know, if you dropped him after he was dropped out of the starting lineup back at the, at the end of December and someone else picked him up and you missed that other stretch in late January, in late January, I think that if you had replacement level waiver wire production for that whole time, you did better than if you held Boucher through the down, the up, and then the down again. Yeah, he he falls at... By the way, there was breaking news while we're recording this that Goran Dragic has chosen the Brooklyn Nets to sign with. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that actually surprised me a little bit. I thought, I thought he might go somewhere else yeah. given how many spots have, I don't know, more open. That make, makes me think that Kyrie's not playing home games anytime soon. Uh, yeah. The So we can... We can loop back around to Dragic if you like. Although, maybe we'll just cut in here. Anything you're doing there, I'm probably not dealing with it. It feels like he's a guy you start very much at home games when the superstars are out. Uh, Road games when the stars are back. I don't know that I would take that plunge. So maybe more of a streamer type. Yeah, I think he's going to be a quick in and out streamer. It'll take him presumably a little bit to get ready. So I don't think it affects Cam Thomas in the short term. And Cam Thomas had no long-term appeal once Ben Simmons was healthy anyways. <laughs> so so right. I, I don't think it changes Cam Thomas in the short or long term on the assumption that it takes uh, Dragic a little bit to build up. Yeah, and he's um, always so, been... Yeah, I don't think it changes anything for me. Yeah, and he's always been someone who's been a bit overvalued uh, in fantasy circles because he scores and gets assists, but his percentages are poor, and that does tend to sort of knock things out. Someone I might look at maybe a bit more uh, if your league doesn't factor in percentages. I've learned my lesson. I kept saying points leagues, and then I had a couple people that are like, my points league does factor percentages. So now I just say, if your league de-emphasizes them, maybe mm-hmm. Goron makes a little bit more sense, and maybe you can kind of hang on even in the games where he's not a feature piece of the offense because he'll come in and score some buckets off the bench or something like that. Uh, but looping back around to what you were talking about, this is, again, like I said, nothing's quick with me. It does take mm-hmm. us to a discussion of there's a bit of a stigma, I think, on the ad drop. Do I Someone coming, kind of coming on and off your roster a bunch of times. And, and that connects 
maybe more to league settings than anything else, where if you have a lot of moves you can make, then yeah, free, like freewheel it, add drop as much as you want. Ride Boucher when he's hot, don't when he's not. Same thing for all the other guys that have stretches where they're, you know, top 60 for three weeks and then top 200 for three weeks, just jump off the boat. And even if it's a shorter time than that, if you're in a league where you have to be a bit more prudent with your moves, maybe you do it differently. If you're in a weekly format, maybe that's someone you leave on your bench until yeah. those good stretches come. So it feels like it feels like you can almost massage this situation a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. It actually, you, you, the way you sort of took my trying to be flipping and, and complain about Chris Boucher, <laughs> uh, it actually kind of ties into what my other sort of bigger picture. Rickley, that's is. why they so pay I'm, me the big bucks. What yeah, else you got? So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chime in with that. And, and <laughs> um, it's sort of a, a I think I, I view that it's sort of two pieces of the same coin as I see it. Um, and, and the first half is if you're adding a player speculatively, if you're, if you, you know, you're adding a player, not for what they're doing now, but for their potential in, in the short to in their middle to long term, um, that, that needs to be, you need to be emphasizing that player's talent and not your projection of that player's situation. And the other side of that is we need to, we need to do way, way less speculative adding and much more focusing on who is good today and using making these ads more frequently, be more willing to drop players we have um, and and focus on the, the, the bird in hand production and not worry so much about like, you know, I'm sorry to pick on you, Oh, I think Kelly Olynyk's situation is going to get better after the <laughs> trade deadline. Fi it's fine. They screwed me. How did they hang on to Jeremy Grant? I'm so mad. Um, not not hang, saying I think Kelly Olynyk's situation is going to get better after the <laughs> trade deadline. So I'm going to hold him. Don't. He's not talented enough to hold as a speculative ad. Get cycle through a couple of players who are hot right now and and get better production out of that position and i view those as two sides of the same coin and and one of my bigger lessons this year so uh how does that tie into different formats i always want to try to and it's almost impossible to cover all of sure. them on a on a podcast but it does feel like that leans more into the uh maybe more of a head-to-head -head, limited roster moves uh can't take too many zeros kind of attack where you really do have to be more aggressive so so i do have i do have two or well one example two examples at least where even where where this lesson can still apply to you if mm -hmm. you're in a weekly format or something um and and it's it's you know again i'm trying to get you to focus more on today and less on the future um so early in this season um, a lot of people were slow to sort of fully embrace Desmond Bain because of the fear and risk of what happens when Dylan Brooks comes back. And so there was a, a little bit of this sort of forward-looking projection um, about, I think Dylan Brooks is going to come back. I think that's going to hurt Desmond Bain. And so I'm not going to prioritize him the same way. And Dylan Brooks comes back, and while Brooks was in the lineup, Bain was still a top 100 player. And then, you know, Brooks gets hurt again, and now Bain's a top 50 player. Um, and if we had been more worried about production today and more focused about production today, we wouldn't have get, 
gotten distracted by all of this. And, you know, again, even in these limited moves formats where you're, you know, it's weekly, weekly waivers or something. Yeah, it's actually better for those, the way you're describing it. And, And with those formats, you know, there's so much... The trade deadline's a, another good, easy example. There's so much trying to project who who do you, trying to project who the deadline winners are going to be, and we're usually terribly wrong. Who do you think um, were some of the biggest trade deadline winners uh, this year? Devin Vassell uh, would probably be yep, the big that was one. My first name, yeah, that that, was my and first that name. and that honestly might be it. Uh, because the stuff in Indiana was partially trade deadline yep. related and partially because half the team is just out. Yep. So I, I Devin Vassell was my first name. Um, I think that there's a lot of sort of fringe value in the Wizards backcourt and Justice Winslow. Those are sort of the three. Yeah, Winslow. That, Sorry, that's so. a good one. Yeah. Those are sort of the three that I had pulled out. No one was talking about them as deadline winners. The Spurs, anytime you talk about the deadline, people talk about how they rarely make in-season trades. No one was projecting that the Wizards were going to, that Beal was going to get hurt and the Wizards would trade away everyone in their backcourt and, and <laughs> yeah, take in moment. only like what's left of Ish Smith. And literally uh, not uh, one person on earth had mentioned Justice Winslow for any reason the entire year. Yeah, exactly. And so, and all these people are looking towards the trade deadline and they're holding on to Goga and they're holding on to Kelly Olinick and they're holding on to these players who, it turns out we're not the best use of roster spots. And, and I, I, I'm, again, I'm tr- the sort of, that's the, the other side of this coin, which is if we're doing a speculative ad, I think we really need to be focusing on the talent of a player. So Isaiah Jackson, I think, works as a speculative ad because he only needs 22 minutes to be fantasy relevant. But Goga Batazde... I feel like I always get his name wrong. Sorry, Goga. Yeah, um, it happens. Goga, <laughs> Goga <laughs> is not a particularly good. Um, Thank you, good lord. Thank be- you for saying that. I I can't stand- because can't he needs going. too many minutes. Everything's got to work out right. They've got to they've got to trade Sabonis and Turner, or Turner has to get hurt, and he's got to stick at thirty minutes a game. He needs a lot of things to go right, whereas Isaiah only needs one thing to go right. I also think uh, that Goga needs the competition to be much worse for things to yeah, <laughs> things yeah, to work out. And I, I don't mean for this to be like the Pick on Goga podcast, because no, I've definitely done it before. But I had to do a show probably two weeks ago now when all the stuff started in Indiana. And I saw Twitter. It was like, it's Goga time. And I was like, no, it's not. Don't you guys remember last year was supposed to be Goga time when Miles Turner missed uh, two and a half months and Sabonis missed like the last three weeks of the year and Goga had one good game? He's not, yeah. he can't keep up with the NBA level of competition. He's just not fast enough. No, it, it, if, if, what, if and when Goga is getting 30 minutes per game, absolutely he is in your lineup. He is a streamer. He is a DFS play, whatever. But less than 30 minutes, he's a dicey option. Um, and he's not good enough to reliably get 30 minutes unless everything is breaking right. Yeah. So let me ask you a follow up on that before we go to my lesson. Um, is there a length of time that you set to sort of how long you'd consider someone either a stash or a speculative ad? How long is too long? Because I've also done a bunch of shows on, I think, stashing for more than about two weeks for almost any reason is a disaster. Uh, but I also think that I'm pretty conservative on that number. So I, 
I think of it more in terms of roster spots. I think of it, you know, if you are a really good team who is positioning yourself for a playoff run or you like where you, mm. or for example, or doing well, it's a weekly lineups roto league and you're doing well and you, you know, the people on your bench don't actually impact what your standings are, then I think you could have potentially two speculative players on your lineup. So you're in both situations, you got to be a good team and either you're almost locked into the playoffs or um, you're in sort of one of those weekly lineups formats. Um, I could see you doing two speculative ads and I'm not, and, and you have two spaces on your roster for speculative ads. And if you want to, have one player there for three months because you're like me and can't quit Alperin Sengun, then you're Shengun, then great. Um, <laughs> it, but it, but if I do, you, I do appreciate I, you throwing yourself under the bus on that one. <laughs> yeah. Love that guy. I, I will uh, ride or die. Um, um, so if you just want it to be Shengun all season, fine. If you want to sort of alternate who you have in that spot, fine. Or, or in those for those teams, two spots. For most teams, I think you can only afford one roster spot of speculative ad. Yeah. And and again, I'm not. I don't. It's up to you to decide sort of the time scale. But I think you can only really afford one. And then um, if you're if you're hurting and you need and all of your lineups contribute to stats, so you've got daily lineups. Um, I don't think you can afford a speculative ad at all. Yeah, I, I'm generally inclined to agree with that. I, I think there's probably more value in winning weekly matchups than there is in, you know, throwing this this blindfolded handful of darts. Maybe not fully blindfolded. It's like there's a there's a some purpose behind it. There's some uh thought that goes into who you're trying to to play down the line. But that really feels like it doesn't work out as often as folks would hope it does. I you always you're the guy that deep dives some of these types of things, and I'm doubting that you have any like real numbers on it because it would be almost impossible to find them. But like, don't you feel like in general people take all these chances all year long? Oh, this guy's going to be good in March, just when my my head-to-head playoffs start, and like probably 19 times out of 20 that doesn't work. Um, I, yeah, it's it's I've thought about it, and I've never come up with a good way to try to. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. It's a question I I would love to do that deep dive. I just haven't figured out the way to to yeah i haven't figured out how to systematically mathematically approach it you how would we ever figure out like who these players were from nine years ago i don't know what i did nine days ago yeah um and you have you have you have child and and almost (laughs) children so you also i'm guessing don't remember much beyond like nine days in the past so i know that would be that'd be pretty hard um um, so yeah, I think you'd got to start. It, it would be, it's a tough, you'd kind of have love to start. To, I would love to have that answer for you. Yeah. But, but I, but I mean, we can look at, we can go back and pull up articles from three weeks ago and say, who are people saying to add before the trade deadline yeah. because of potential trades and compare that to, you know, maybe one or two of those articles had Devin Vassell in them. Probably not though. And a lot of them had Kelly Olenek. You were not the only one. I'm, yeah. I'm teasing you, but you were very much not the only one. Um, a lot of them had Goga. Um, 
some of them had Isaiah Jackson, which I think there's still some hope for, but like, you know, I don't think Davion Mitchell is someone who I think benefited. I don't know that there was a lot of people saying, you know, stash Davion Mitchell. And even if you did, he's still basically a replacement level player. Yeah. Yeah, there really was. I mean, it. <clears throat> excuse me. It, it does feel like, at least for the moment, Winslow and Vassell were the guys that jumped from one side of the line to the other, which is yeah. either replacement level or worse in the case of Winslow to someone you just throw into your lineup and set it and forget I think, it. I think you're being a little harsh on Neto. You know, I. I yeah, he's I closer. That... He certainly went from like afterthought to probably like king of the streamers. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It, yeah. He's he's probably. He's not someone you have to hold, but I, I think that Neto, there's a team in most leagues that should have Neto right now. But I remain but consistently worried that the second I drop Neto into my lineup is going to be the game where Ish gets 28 minutes, and that's exactly what happened the last game before the break. I was like, like all right, yeah. fine, Neto. I believe in you after three decent ones. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, by the way, the bench is going to get 28, and you guys get yeah. 20 today. Uh, and that's kind of my fear is that that becomes like a two out of every three type of deal. But let me hit you with a lesson here. And I want your thoughts yeah, on this one. Please do. This is great. Uh, by the way, talking to Alex Rickling, I want to make sure I get better at repeating those things mid podcast at R-I-K-L-E-E-N on Twitter. Of course, I'll tag him. He'll be in the description if you want to see his easier way to find it. It's going to be in the description of the podcast. We're going to get him to 5K follows. He said, Dan says confidently over the all-star break, but we're going to do our damn best here. Uh, you're always willing to go a little bit deeper on topic. So that's why I thought this would be a fun one for today. Uh, my lesson, and I threw this out on Twitter a couple weeks ago because I was just sitting there looking at one of my teams where Paul George was languishing in an IL slot for Dan checks his watch like three and change months now. Uh, with kind of an indefinite tag, and I think he's I actually think he's supposed to be reassessed three days from now. But I am pretty much married to the notion that that reassessment is going to be oh he's still out and we still don't know. Uh, and then as soon as we get word on what Kawhi is going to be doing, then we'll then we'll know what Paul George is doing. Um, but the lesson I'm taking away from this isn't just don't draft Paul George because I think a lot of folks want to just jump to that end point. But it isn't really just about Paul George. It's about being, I don't want to say bamboozled either, because there's a good there's a good reason that I drafted him and that a lot of us ended up with Paul George, which is when there's kind of a tag team on a club and one of those guys is out for an extended period, I think there's an allure to grabbing the one who's still on the floor because, boom, massive usage spike. But what gets overlooked at times is... What's the arc of this team? What are their goals? And for the Clippers, the goal is championship. Whether or not they're, you know, is that too lofty? Who knows? I mean, they if they were truly healthy, they have a shot on any given year. But with Kawhi questionable for the entire season, was that ever really something that they were striving for? So what is the motivation of someone like Paul George? And I'm using him as the example for this year to be healthy, to play hard the entire season. But... You know, we could talk about Steph on an injured Warriors team in seasons past. They lost Clay for two years. Draymond was dinged up. He wasn't like he didn't. Draymond was more mentally dinged up. He didn't seem to care much for a couple seasons. So Steph hurt his wrist and, you know, he took the long route back and blah, blah, blah. It was that same kind of thing where players are out. A different superstar seems like they might even get more to eat. And instead, 
they end up just kind of half-assing it for a year. Um, so my lesson is do a little bit more digging in situations like that. Am I reading too much into it, or is this something that happens more regularly than we think? Interesting. So the 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 I'm I'm trying to sort of like think of other examples and, and draw connections. So other teams that jump out to me as having had similar situations are the Nuggets this year with Jokish and, and MPJ. Um which almost works for your theory in that, you know, without Jamal Murray, they were more dependent on MPJ, who is a player. I'm modifying your theory, by the yeah. way. Um, you know, they're they're relying heavily on MPJ, who is a player with a lot of injury history, and he didn't seem up for the load. Um, seems that sort of jives with what's happening with the Clippers. You know, with no Kawhi, they had to lean heavily on Paul George. He was great, but then he, you know, fell to injury. The problem is, how do you, how do you make this story match with what's happening? What happened with, for example, um, Russell Westbrook's MVP year, where um, you know KD gets hurt, or no, KD leaves. And Westbrook, I guess Katie's gone though. He's not hurt. Yeah, um, it it really feels like maybe personally, I need to be more in tune with the player and the situation. And and all this being hindsight being twenty twenty, of course, makes that type right. of thing so much more s- simple to to analyze. But like on the Russ front, we know enough about Russ to know that if someone spurns him, which is I'm sure how he felt with the KD situation. Yeah. He was going to be extra pissed. It wasn't going to be like year off for Russ. It was going to be, I'm going to conquer the universe because I'm mad at you, Kevin. And you and all <laughs> you and all of your burner phones, Kevin. I'm going to show you and I'm going to average a triple-double. Whereas, like for, like for the Clippers, Paul George, I'm sure, is looking at it like, well, I'm not going to win a championship with these guys and no Kawhi. I'm going to play hard. Is this going to... Am I going to play through stuff? Which is kind of what mm. the situation was. Remember back in... That late November, early December, when yeah. they shut him down for two or three weeks, and it was like, ah, it didn't really get better. We're all right. We're just gonna we're just gonna turn the car off for a little bit. If the superstar was there, I think if Kawhi was healthy and playing, you might have seen Paul George maybe come back already, or certainly yeah. if he's close yeah. enough in like three days from now, he probably would play. But if he's not a hundred percent, I don't think he's coming back this year. Yeah. Can we, but just as an aside, while we're talking about the Clippers, can we talk for two seconds about how the fact that they are still almost 500 eighth in the West with that roster without (laughs) Kawhi and without Paul George, first of all, makes no sense. And second of all, so Ty Lue must be like one of the top three coaches in the league. I can't come up with another explanation. Yeah, they have Um, 12. That's not really fantasy related, but I just... While we're, we, we get, I, I need to give Ty Lue some credit while we're talking about this. I was really harsh on him when he was uh, at the Cavs, and I guess I was wrong. And he was yeah, wrong. he's doing well. I mean, he's the, it, it feels a little bit like that Clippers team a few years ago where they just played really hard every night. Yeah. Uh, and there's something to this notion of, like, if you don't have a true lead dog and then just you find five 
players playing well on any given night, and those are the guys that get to go. That's kind of what they're doing out there. Like, here's yeah. these are five starters, but if you're not playing great, bye bye. You're getting 18 minutes tonight. Uh, and they have like 12 slightly above average wings on that team, so that's I guess helpful in the modern NBA because you know nobody has a yeah. center or a point guard anymore. Uh, so they can they can pretty much defend you. Um, yeah, so that I mean. I guess the lesson isn't really like dodge the it's not so simple as dodge the player with the missing superstar teammate. That would be a very easy, yeah. well packaged way to to build it. But but, but yeah, that one doesn't it doesn't there are too many holes if it's that yeah. simple. We need we need more clarifying context around we, it. So like if we were gonna analyze the Warriors in retrospect and the seasons where Steph then kind of took some time off, it yeah. did feel like I probably should have seen that coming. Uh, they had gone to the finals, what, like 15 consecutive seasons, a little gassed, lost KD. Yeah. I guess there was a thought in my mind that was like, oh, they want to show KD they can still do it without him, but they were just too damn tired at that point. Yeah. And then Clay, the whole thing, like, why do we why do we do this now? Let's just do it when Clay comes back. And then of course he missed another year after that. Uh, but it does feel like each of these situations could be parsed a little bit better than at least me personally, at least I have done to this point. Yeah. And I think uh, one factor that might be sort of relevant to consider is, is looking at the Warriors with the year that Steph missed and the Clippers this year is both of those teams had limited run limited off seasons after long runs so yeah. the the clippers only made it to the second round they didn't make it to the finals or anything but last year was a condensed year and last year ended in july instead of ending in june yeah the second round and, was in june wasn't it or end of may uh, early june I, th I think the second round was entirely in june yeah. um because I remember trying to figure out how many days off the Suns had had going into the finals. I, I think the entire <laughs> second round, um, yeah, they had, they had a huge rest advantage against the Bucks. Um, um, that's why I picked the Suns. I, I, yeah, but I, I mean, wrong. did any of us really <laughs> see Giannis finally figuring out how to score against the packed paint? Yeah, that was that was no, a pretty good turn there for him. I, that was a really impressive finals run. Really impressive. True. Very. Um, so... But so the the way the Clippers were eliminated last year is very similar to a team that made it to the finals. And what we have seen in recent time in a lot of cases is making the finals is bad for your health. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, good for your, it's good for your team. Uh, it's good for your ego. It's bad for your health. And, you know, the a lot of teams that have made the finals have had some injury uh, concerns after, especially after last year's shortened year, yeah. I think that a team that made the second round and has Kawhi and Paul George's injury history, they, they sort of count. Yeah, they didn't. Um, so I think that that's another thing to be looking for is not just sort of the injured, an injured superstar, and what is this team's outlook like? Are they still title contenders with an injured superstar, etc.? But also what was their offseason how far did they make it are they coming into the season and in, in a physically tougher spot than some other teams yeah i like it okay i promised i would let you go back to your day uh <laughs> and we've gone not surprisingly a couple minutes over what i expected but i didn't want to cut it short this this is 
I love this crap. This is this is the stuff that I actually enjoy the most. Apologies to those who want me to just pop on and do box score recap. This is way more fun for me. Uh, this is how you set yourself up to win long term in fantasy basketball. Is kind of understanding this the stuff that's going on beneath the surface. Uh, yeah, the strategic stuff's the most fun stuff. It really is. I, I, I know it's the only thing I actually like about the off season because I'm generally ready to just draft again, like two days after yeah. the fantasy season ends. But I like being able to talk about all the stuff that goes into prep for said fantasy draft. Uh, Alex, thanks, my man. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. He uh, is. Good, good luck with the family and the, the rest of the season, except yeah. for the leagues that I'm in with you. <laughs> Likewise. I'm sure I'm definitely doing a great job of paying attention to all of them. Uh, he is <laughs> at Rick Lean on Twitter, R-I-K-L-E-E-N. Get him to 5K by the end of today. I know we can do it. Even if none of you are listening on a holiday, screw you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Thanks, man. Ah, Damn it, I love a good chat with Alex Rickling. He's willing... The thing that I like about Alex is that I know going into the pod hit that he's willing to just deep dive whatever. And you have to... Like, you have to get to know a guest before you can do that kind of crap. Like, I, if I was... If someone was coming on the show for a first time, there's no way that I would go that far into the weeds because you risk putting someone in, like, a defensive posture by accident. I never worry about that with Alex. That's why... You guys need to go follow him and get him to 5,000 Twitter follows because he does do that extra piece of work that not everybody in the industry does, which is to look a little bit deeper. Uh, a little bit more on the Goran Dragic thing because we kind of we hit on it quickly during the segment. It broke during the segment, so I wanted to just like throw it out there. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit weird. Uh, I, I assume... He's pretty close to basketball shape. I'm a little surprised that he picked the Nets. And, you know, I don't want to read too much into it. But, the, first of all, the Nets have a lot of backcourt depth, which that's why I was surprised. They have these young guys. Alex mentioned Cam Thomas. Kyrie Irving is going to be there on road games. Kevin Durant will be healthy at some point. He's not in the backcourt, but he's a high-usage guy. Ben Simmons, high-usage guy in the front court. It feels to me like Dragic setting up a bit as a sixth man in the games that Kyrie plays and perhaps more of an orchestrator in the home games where he doesn't. I don't think he's someone you need to pick up in any nine-category format outside of, like, maybe 16 teams or deeper. If you're in a points league where you can rely on the fact that, well, I mean, you know, you look at Dragic's numbers over the last, well, most of his career, really. You'd have to go almost all the way back probably to Phoenix to find the last time that his percentages were not hurting you. That was back when he was shooting close to 50% from the field for a couple years. Uh, it's actually sort of inexplicable, but his shooting percentage has really fallen off in recent seasons. And it's not really that he took a bunch more three-pointers. Yeah, the percentage of threes has gone up a little bit for him, but not like a stratospheric change. Free throws have always been kind of meh. 77% in his career, you might get lucky and have a season where he shoots better. Like Last year, he made whatever it was, 10 out of 10 free throws with Toronto. He was shooting 89 83, excuse me, percent with Miami. Well, that was this year, excuse me. He made 10 out of 10 free throws with Toronto. Last year, he actually had a slightly better free throw shooting year. But generally, he's a low percentages guy at this stage of his career. Not a ton of defensive stats. He won't be playing enough minutes, frankly, to rack up a bunch of D stats. You're looking at someone who it probably parallels um, last year with Miami. Pretty close. So mid-20s in minutes, probably about 11 shots per game. 
You're looking at something like 12, 13 points, three and change rebounds, maybe four and change assists, turnovers a little high, minimal defensive stats, kind of poor percentages. He makes more sense in, again, I, I'm going to say points formats, but just when I say that, understand that I mean formats that de-emphasize turnovers and percentages. I think you could consider him in 14-teamers that don't factor percentages in. If you're in 9-cat, where those matter, you shouldn't even be on your roster outside of pretty damn deep leagues. I think that's all we really wanted to cover today. Except for reminding you guys about our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com. Hit me up on Twitter. I have a prize for you. Mention it. It's good for the All-Star break. This is the only time I'm going to offer this one, I think. Unless they come back and say, do it another time. Hit me, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You got to follow me so that I can send you a direct message. But if you hit me on Twitter and say, hey, Dan, heard about your prize, I will hit you up and I will hook you up. So that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Also, shout out our buddies at manscaped.com and mybookie.ag. I got a whole bunch of stuff I want to tell you about over at Manscaped because they got some cool things coming in March, which is uh, a week away. Week and a day, I guess. Sorry. Next, it's next Tuesday, not a week from today. Big thank you once again to the marvelous Alex Ricklein. I am Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Have a great Monday, everybody. Hey, forgot to talk about the All-Star break. Eh, screw it. I'll talk about it tomorrow. What's the rush? It happened. We got the Kevin Durant team. Missed the other stuff. Oh, well. Uh, to be continued. We'll talk uh, all-star recap stuff on Tuesday's show. So long, everybody.